Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the WBRX Wake Up Call. I know that um, you know as we enter into the summer months, this is always a, a great opportunity for us to be able to huddle up and uh, you know just talk a little bit about the things that are going on inside of WBRX and, and talk a little bit about the things that we think would be um, you know would be relevant for for who is you know who is on the line and the things that are going on to kind of move the needle a little bit in terms of growing and and developing this business and you know when I often talk with people, you know, just about the nature of our business and it's a people business and it's just being, you know, it's really, you know, there's just a certain group of people that get involved in, in the nature of, of, you know, whatever you want to refer to as direct sales or network marketing that treat this, you know, like a business. And, and then you've got others that, you know, just kind of get involved and they join and, and they're, they're not necessarily engaged in, in the, uh, you know, just the different aspects of all the things required to create the structure and the time and, and just what, you know, just really what's needed to to go out and build this. And, you know, when, when we talk with people, and at least in my experience, I can tell you this, that, you know, this this is a unique business. It is um, counterintuitive. It, it doesn't fit with what most people um, can conceive or believe. It doesn't, uh, you know, adjust. I mean, when I, you know, we sometimes people hear our story and they say, okay, so let me just get this right. In 12 years, you know, your previous campaign, you guys built a company that, you know, did up to $400 million in business. Well, did you guys, you know, have any sort of group of, you know, did you start with a, you know, $30, $40 million cap raise? I mean, what did you guys do? And, and the truth is, is it, you know, <laughs> we started off with our own money. It had, didn't come from, you know, like a huge group of people whatsoever, and it wasn't that much money. It was really just a couple million dollars, and and it's the same. It's the same in, in, in its relevance to uh, someone that gets involved and in, and in, in starts their own distributorship inside of a company because they're they're starting off with a nominal amount of money to go out and to to build a business, and certainly it's not a couple million dollars. But in spite of it, you know people start their business and, and what they're doing is they're not taking the typical capital that would be required to build a, you know, a large business. You know, when I started in network marketing in 1992, you know, my cost or my startup was, you know, $30,000, you know, at that time to, you know, really have enough inventory to, you know, go out and start sampling, to go out and start, you know, dedicating myself to making sure that, you know, I had enough people that I was making contact with, with both the product and the opportunity. And I, I didn't really know all the details. I didn't understand. And I knew I didn't understand, you know, all that was involved in making this type of business work. I knew I was going to have to, you know, kind of learn as, as I was earning. But I also, and, and, and I knew there would be lots of twists and turns in the, uh, in the journey. I, I didn't have a uh, false expectation that I was going to just get involved and overnight become multi-millionaire. That was never my circumstance. What I what, what I gauged everything on is the fact that uh, there were people in the industry that had had you know phenomenal success, and I looked at their background. I looked at what they had done to get themselves into that circumstance. And the guy that I was working with was you know he was a truck driver. <laughs> His wife was just a housewife. And he was probably making, you know, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, you know, when he started his business, you know, back in uh, he started his business back in 1984, and he got involved with a water filtration company, and he had gone out 
and he and his wife had a mass, a massive group of, of people uh, buying water filters and selling water filters. And, uh, you know, he did a tremendous amount of business in that organization and, you know, set he and his wife up, you know, uh, financially, and then they were able to go ahead and launch their own company. And that was the company I got involved with back in that day, Wellness International Network. You know, it was a unique time in, in space for me because at that time I owned a health club, physical therapy practice, and I wasn't looking for another opportunity. And one of my clients introduced me to it. We all have a story, right? We all have a, we all have a rhyme and reason as to what led us into the business. But for me, I was looking, frankly, for, you know, for not just, a, not just more money, but a way to learn how to earn a lot more money without having to spend the tremendous amount of time and energy because I was already doing that. I, you know, I was already what I would call a pretty hardworking uh, person. I didn't have the luxury of a lot of time, and I wasn't making, you know, I, I, I was making $150,000 a year and spending more than I was making. I was kind of shuffling money around, and I didn't have a, a I did not have an opportunity in my own opinion, to go out and create, you know, what I would call wealth. I didn't have an opportunity to go out and explore the ideas of putting the uh, potential, my personal potential, into a business where the outcome would be far removed and different from what I had. So when someone came along and they said, look, if you listen to what I say, if you follow my instructions, if you just apply yourself in the same fashion that you have your existing business, th then you're probably going to have a far larger outcome, you know, like, like an outcome where you can literally earn millions of dollars. That's all I needed to know. In, in my mind, I said, okay, if I can get involved and I can get involved in, in, in a business model that is within the wellness industry, literally, truthfully, and go out and create a, a, um, a pattern, a design of generating millions of dollars of revenue, I'm in. You know, show me tell me, I, I never had a problem, you know, um, you know, working because I was already working hard. Now, there were times in the journey as I was getting my business going, I was having to balance the time and energy in my existing business for, for, for purposes of, of developing my new business, right? And, and I was working that business on a very part-time basis, to be very frank with you. And I can remember those days um, very vividly because I was having to still go to the gym, 5.30 a.m., still keep my existing schedule. I had a lot of uh, clients, personal clients and appointments in the morning from, let's say, 6 a.m. to probably 9 to 10 a.m. And then there was a break in the day from 10 to, 10 to 11 to maybe 1 or 2. And then, again, the, the schedule would start, you know, beefing up again at three, four, five, six, seven, eight in the evening, right? Because that's you, know, you always have to kind of you know accommodate your clients who are coming in to get personal training. And, and in that time, I you know previously I was dedicating a lot of time calling my physicians, checking on the physical therapy practice that we had, and so I started reallocating my time in that space. I had to figure out where I was going to find time to make the phone calls that were needed. To set, to set the appointments in my schedule, in my calendar. And I can vividly remember I created this system where I had a calendar from Monday through Sunday, and I was, always, I was just keeping track of how many, um, you know, how many appointments I had on a, on a weekly basis 
And, and if I knew if I had a certain amount of appointments on a weekly basis that, that the result was going to be a positive result. In other words, I was setting appointments uh, to, to have people you know, do three-way calls. I was setting appointments for people to listen to a conference call uh, with, with another uh, you know, person within my genealogical upline. Or, or, I mean, in that day, we, didn't, you know, we had something called Win Access. We didn't have the virtual tools and the availability of the Internet or all of that. I mean, we, we were back in 1992. We didn't have anything, I mean, truthfully. And, and so it was all on the, purely on the basis of word of mouth. It was purely on the basis of setting time to sit down and to share with people via conference call or three-way call and then having them come to a weekly meeting. So you have to imagine in that day, and we had people that were just buying, we were buying the product from the company, we kept our own inventory, and we were selling through our own inventory directly to people, and that's the genesis of this entire industry. That's how everything really, you know, expanded and, and, and you know, advanced. And so fast forward, you know, obviously to where we're at today, you know, the business model has changed drastically. You know, you have, you know, UPS and FedEx, and you've got, Shopify experience, you can just go online. We didn't have online ordering at all. You know, we, the only thing we could do is basically SPACs in our orders. We didn't have the capacity to get directly on our line and online in our back office and order our product whatsoever. And, and so all of those things that were taking place in that day were a lot, it was a lot slower process. It wasn't as easy. It was a little more arduous. We didn't know at the time any different. All we knew is what we knew. But, but in, in the process of, of developing, you know, a, a group of people that love to buy the product and then also people that wanted to get involved in the business, that business, you know, exploded into, um, you know, to a company that, you know, is a guy that, you know, got a degree in exercise physiology, owned a health club, physical therapy practice, working his butt off, developed a company that did about $130 million in business. Now, I, I share that story with you. Because I didn't understand or foresee or be able to build or calculate or, or I, didn't I didn't have the mechanics of, of how to be able to picture the result that I wanted to get. And I recognize today as we start and we get involved in a business like this that, that most people don't necessarily have that. I mean, most people don't walk into this business having had an education where they got a degree in network marketing or direct sales. And, and I get that picture. And I think that sometimes what people just don't understand, and, I, and oftentimes, you know, we, I, I've noticed, and I've shared this with, with Sean and with some other folks, that, you know, we're in, a, we're in an industry, guys, that is, uh, is pretty prominent in, in terms of its success. I mean, you've got publicly traded companies out there that are, that are doing ridiculous amounts of business globally. The industry worldwide is a $200 billion industry. We keep, we keep emphasizing this because when you look at, at the um, economic trends and you listen to you know, uh, global economic uh, forecasters and, and folks that have been in and around this industry, what has taken place in this time where we sit today within our industry is you've got, you've got companies that during the time we started our business, I'm talking about uh, anywhere in the last quarter of 2019, okay, in that time frame, uh, are 80, 80 to 85%, according to what I'm told by people that are in the know, okay, in the direct sales industry, for what it's worth, in the know, 
say that about 85% of the companies that started their business uh, in the last quarter of 2019 or the first quarter of 2020 are, are out of business. They're, they're no longer around. Now, there's obvious reason for that because, let's face it, starting a network marketing company that's based upon the it's just based upon meeting and talking with people and meeting venues and face-to-face. And, I mean, let's, there's no way around it. I mean, to, to be able to start a company right before a global pandemic comes in and we have a shutdown and all of that stuff, it, it, it is the odds are, are against you. <clears throat> and the odds were against us, believe me. But I, I, think, it was just a, I think it was just a function of, of leadership. I think it was a function of having a product in the um, – environment where there where we had a product that met the needs of people that were in a high stress you know social anxiety ridden uh environment and and their you know their consumption of our product the the customer growth that we're able to build and develop and also just people that said hey regardless of what's going on in the environment we're going to go out we're going to build a business we're going to team up with these guys And, and so we're very blessed to have made it through the most challenging and the difficult time statistically. I mean, anyone that, you know, looks at the industry and then says, oh, my gosh. But, see, here's, here's what we learn now, though. Statistically, within that 10 to 15% of the people that started their companies in that, frame, in that time frame, uh, th- those companies have now established the foundation, and they now are kind of looking at us just as we are. We're coming up to our second-year anniversary in October. Well, statistically, you should know that most companies, I, th- I think that y- you, can, you can look at the DSA statistics, but about, uh, about uh, 1% or 2% of the companies in the industry last, um, they, they don't even make it a year, ever. Statistically, not just within COVID, but over the course of, you know, now they've got, we've got a track record of now 65 years, okay? So most companies just don't last. But of the ones that make it, to their two-year anniversary, here's the, here's the interesting thing, is that about 75 to 80% of those companies uh, end up becoming $100 million, and in some cases, billion-dollar companies. And people go, well, that is so counterintuitive. How can you possibly get us to imagine or believe? Forget about the fact that we did $400 million back in the, you know, 2000, 2012. How, how is it that companies, average companies, or 50, $100 million a year companies, well, Here's the reality. The context of network marketing and what we do is, in direct sales is a massive business. It's now referred to as intellectual distribution. It's really people sometimes get a little misguided and they don't understand what we're doing. Okay? There are people out there today in corporate America. There are people out there today that are getting displaced, removed. There's so many people that are sitting out there unemployed, still collecting unemployment, we, the biggest challenge, as Sean was mentioning as, as we got on the phone, the, the biggest challenge that we have today is finding people that want to go to work, that want to do some of the jobs that, you know, whether it's, you know, anybody from any, any, any sort of business, like, you know, just, just working as a receptionist in a corporate environment or, or potentially, uh, you know, getting involved, you know, in, in, in fast food or getting involved in just, the, just some of the, the jobs that people would have loved to have had uh, six months to a year ago. Now you can't get people to come back to work because they're paid more money to sit at home. I'm not going to get on political stuff, but I'm just saying at some point that all will shake out. And inevitably you're going to be back to 
a normality or what, what we, you know, sometimes we call it the new normal. At some point, there's not free money for people to just have. And, and I know that's going to be a really difficult time for a lot of people in this country. That's going to happen. That bubble will burst. And when it does, there, there, will, there will have been a group of people that will have set themselves in, in, up in a certain way where they have established an ancillary form of revenue that's separate and apart from exchanging time for money that will, will change the direction of their lives. But, but you have to realize there's a lot of people that don't necessarily agree or understand or even know this context of our idea of intellectual distribution. They have no idea how powerful it is. I didn't have any idea. So, so when we're trying to give people the, um, the artillery that they need, the understanding that they need, it goes beyond myself or Sean or WBX. It is a, it is a massive business if you understand it and treat it like a business. You can literally change the direction of your life moving forward financially. Okay, and, and there will be a lot of things that, believe me, you'll learn in this business. But let's just face it: creating an income stream of five or ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a month of revenue, just a just a small amount. Okay, we won't even talk about the seven-figure earning opportunity because that that sometimes is a little bit hard for people to grasp or to get or, or to believe. Because if they could, if they if any any one of you on the phone, any one of you. If you genuinely believe that this was a seven-figure earning opportunity for you and your family, if you genuinely believe that, then you'd treat it completely different. And, I, and I'm not down on it. I'm just saying that it's, it's very evident that you know, that's not necessarily the case. Or let's just say that may, maybe, maybe you, you kind of know it can happen if you were to do X, Y, and Z and apply yourself. And, and maybe, maybe that's not the right fit for you. Maybe you know, switching gears and, and, and creating an ancillary form of revenue that becomes bigger and stronger. It may or may not be. <clears throat> but <clears throat> there are a group of people, <clears throat> and I was certainly one of them, my partner Sean Baker was one of them, that, that genuinely do need an opportunity, but you're not necessarily aware of it, okay? You're not necessarily in knowledge or know, and, and we can get caught into a lot of different steps and traps in, in terms of our ability to go out and establish that. And so I, I covered something on Saturday and uh, not all of you that are here today were on that call. Some of you were. We've had several people that have joined us and appreciate you guys jumping on. But here's the deal. When you get involved in this business, sometimes, at least I did, okay, and I'm going to talk real quickly here about, you know, basically five steps to unlimited prospects, five steps. What I perceived when you got involved in network marketing, when I first got involved in 1992, is whatever contact base you had, whatever your list was to start with, was going to determine your long-term success. I perceived that if somebody got involved in this business and they had great credibility and they had a massive list and they were well-connected, oh, my gosh, they were going to, have, they were going to be the multimillion-dollar earners. Okay? And, and what I did not understand or, under, or, or have any concept of is that Creating prospects in this business in itself is a skill. And very rarely do the people on your initial list, are they the determining factor of your long-term success. In fact, very rarely if you talk to any top earner or any very successful person in this industry, is that the case. <clears throat> the, the reality is it's the skill or the ability to go out and create, uh, you know, to create a very successful 
pattern of, of continuing to build and develop prospects. So the first, so the first step to the five steps to having unlimited, unlimited prospects is certainly create an active candidate list. And what does that mean? <clears throat> an active candidate list is you or <clears throat> anybody that would get involved in the business just basically taking every contact that you have, which is, I'm just sharing with you what has worked consistently. You can take it for what it's worth and you can decide to listen and say, that's sweet, I'd love to hear that information, or <clears throat> if you're interested, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're interested, you can take this information and you can literally apply it and actually try it and do it and you'll see what I'm talking about. But the first thing to do is to dump every person in your sphere of influence, contact, phone, otherwise, on a, on a master list. Now, does this mean you're going to go to everybody? No, it doesn't. Here's what will happen is that there will, there will be a process that you will go through where you will start to recognize there, and, and it did, it happened for me, it's happened for every person I've ever talked with that's ever really done this exercise, is they start to realize, oh my gosh, there's probably more people on my list than I originally, uh, you know, thought there would be. And then you start getting a, a you know, we, we have a, what we call a memory jogger that allows you to kind of start thinking about all the things that you do, whether it's going to the dry cleaner or going to the supermarket are, are, you know, going to a number of different places in the uh, errands that you have throughout the course of the day, wherever that might be. And you, you, we find that there's just a lot of people that we're directly and indirectly connected to that are obviously candidates for either our product or, and or our business opportunity. And when you start to recognize that that's real, like that's real, and you put everything into a master active list, then you start a whole new journey. Because here's the deal. <clears throat> Every one of those people <clears throat> also have a master list. They also have a group of people that they are directly and indirectly connected to. And whatever you tend to do and then teach other people to do, you'll have massive success. So. So what this business really is about, this, and this is a, in context, when I'm sharing a specific skill, this business of intellectual distribution is not necessarily about uh, teaching you about just the products or just the comp plan or just the mechanics of a six-step marketing program. What it's really about is, is people learning new things, gravitating to a form of, of, you know, of information, intellectual distribution, learning, learning to do new things, and then teaching people to do new things. So I'm attaching the reality of what the business is to a specific skill. I'm sharing with you probably it's, I would say that for the vast majority of those of you on this call right now have never created a master list. Now, how do I know that? Well, for the first year, I was involved in this business. I didn't create a master list. I went out to those people that I had peripherally in the top of my head and people that I kind of knew and then thought about as I was in the midst of my day. Maybe I'd write their name down, but I didn't go to the trouble. Uh, no one told me. I didn't get the information. Believe it or not, I was able to build a business just by kind of selecting those first 10 or 15 people I could think of off the top of my head. I did not understand. Okay. But once I got this idea and this concept, 
and I created that master list. It was probably I'd probably been in the business for a year, had earned about one hundred and thirty thousand dollars just off of sheer excitement, enthusiasm. You know, just uh, you know, just going out there, just motivated, not really having the understanding. And in that process, developed an income stream, which is great. But but the reality was, is I didn't really understand how to conceptualize it and then teach it to other people. But once I actually committed to the action myself. Uh, my eyes were opened because I started learning and I started going to people that I had never gone to in the previous year. And those people I had gone to asked me in some cases, why didn't you tell me about this when you got started? Or I had another group of people. See what, so what I was guilty of, uh, and, and I've shared this, and this is one of the steps I won't, you know, won't get too far into it right now, is I was just prejudging. I was prequalifying. I was believing that there were people that had great success in business they would have no interest in the business. And I was right in some cases, but you know what? In the other cases, they all wanted to be able to buy the product. There were many of the people in that day, it was nutritional supplementation, and there were, you know, the, the company that I was working with at that time was built on a whole different line of products. But, but you, you got to realize, I was developed, I, I just, I didn't even, my first year, I did not go to that group of people because they weren't on my list. I did, I prejudged who would or who wouldn't. Big mistake. Big mistake. I had someone that just spoke to me recently about their idea of strategically building this business. They were, it was almost like they were listening to the information. They'd never done this business successfully, but they had already created a strategy, and they were going to be real strategic, and they were going to bring in their big people when they had their third company, and there's no way of being able to pre-qualify or determine who those people will be, right? So I'll, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But, but that's the, the first step is you've got to, you got to do a mind dump, and you got to put everybody either in your phone or that you have access to on a master active list, okay? And then from that master active list, then you can start to segment those people that are probably more uh, predisposed to taking a look or listening. You can get your top ten. Everyone has their own idea. But the process that you'll go through of just putting everybody on that list will in itself be an exercise that will help you drastically understand how you can build this business. Because once you do that and commit to it, you'll be able to teach other people to do it. Second step is to consistently expand your list. And what we mean by consistently expanding your list, but once you've taken the time to actually develop this master list, now the skill uh, starts to come into play of what you need to do to add that list. And we just recommend you talk to two new people a day, two new people a day, two a day, and, and, and it could be a conversation where, you know, you, you basically let them know a little bit about the results you've had with the product. You can get them on a three-way call. It's, it's, it's always out there touching base, connecting with those people. Does it, does it mean necessarily that those people will transition into listening to a, um, a, a you know, a virtual business overview? Doesn't mean necessarily that they'll come to the office on a you know Tuesday. We've got a, a business, uh, you know, co you know, so for people that have already looked at the business, we've got a comp plan review and business planning tomorrow at the office at 12 noon, as an example that we've you know we've thrown into the calendar because we've got enough people for, of interest that came from our our scheduled meeting on, on uh, June 1st, right? So so my my point is, you're going to have things that are going to come up, but, but in the course of your day, if you can manage to structure your time 
so that you literally hit your goal of talking to two new people a day and add those people to your master list, you'll find that you're, you're now incorporating the skills that are necessary to always have prospects in your funnel. Now, this is a very important key to building this business. It's an extremely important. I can't even begin to tell you how important it is because creating activity as a result of people that you've been connected to or, or directly or indirectly is the key to the business. The last meeting that we had, I was looking around the room, and a vast majority of the people that came to that, that meeting just were people that we had met with and talked with, got a business card, and reconnected with them by the way of just sending them a banner and letting them know that we're getting ready to do a business meeting uh, you know, at, at, uh, you know, you know, over at the restaurant, and we sent them a banner, showed them you know, the, the context of what it was, and you know, they said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And we, we talked to a lot more people. I, uh, believe me, the list of people that we spoke with, and I, I'm speaking from personal experience, was a lot greater than the actual people that attended. So I didn't have any misguided expectations. I just started talking to a lot of people and texting and sending out information to a lot of people about this meeting that we were having, and we ended up having a, a very productive meeting with new prospects and new people that now have said, my gosh, this is phenomenal. I, I, love, I love the context of the industry, the examples that you guys gave with the information that doctors had, but what I really love are the people that are involved. And, and so that's always a very good sign, right? So, so the second step is creating a, a, and expanding your list. It's a discipline. It is a discipline, by the way. It's not something that just happens. It's, it's like anything else. You know, I, I find myself, you know, you know when I, I share the ideas of discipline and what's required on a daily basis to anything that you're trying to accomplish, you know, whether it's a workout or whether it's your, your regimen of what your diet consists of or anything that you're doing, it, there's going to be a certain amount of it that is a discipline. And talking to new, two new people every day is a discipline that will inevitably turn into a habit. And, and that habit, as long as you can sustain that and maintain that, you will grow, I promise you, you'll grow a huge list of people. You, let, you can't even imagine how big that list will become. Third thing that you need to be aware of is simply raise your awareness. You know, we live in a time where people are going, going from and to and going between this and one thing, and, and their minds become, you know, occupied in daily tasks, and they lose the awareness that they should have of going out and speaking and talking to new people. What's going on in the world? What, what's taking place? Who's doing what? Just your awareness of the surroundings of people around you can sometimes, uh, you know, you, you, can miss, you can miss the mark there because you get caught up in your, and we're all guilty of it. But that's the third step that I would say is extremely important of, of creating, you know, um, unlimited prospects, is to raise your level of awareness. Realize what's going on. Look at what's taking place. Look at the people that you're coming into contact with. Become aware. Just have a, just a, a simple level of awareness. Fourth step is never prejudge. I told my story. I won't get into the details of it now. Uh, so we, I leave my partner some time to talk here. But, um, you know, I made a, a critical error in judgment by, by prejudging a partner of mine in the physical therapy practice back in 1992. I got a group of people involved. I didn't go to him first. 
Uh, in fact, I didn't, want, I didn't even think he'd be a good candidate because he didn't speak that good of English. He wasn't a real good sales guy. Those, those were the criteria I thought were required for one to get involved in this type of business and have success, but I didn't understand. And finally, he approached me and said, hey, I see that you've got folks that you're bringing in and getting involved. You know, why haven't you talked to me? And I said, well, you know, Andre, I'll certainly talk to you about it. I didn't realize you'd be interested. So Andre gets involved with me in the business in 1992, and uh, this is back in April of 92. And, and then, uh, you know, fast forward through the course of the, of the summertime, um, he contacts one of his good uh, buddies in Holland, who was, his name was Paul Gabink. And Paul was a big bodybuilder. He was a very successful physical therapist with a huge sphere of influence. Now, Paul, by the way, spoke zero English in the company that we had started, that we were involved with, the Wellness International Network, was nowhere, they weren't even close to being a company that wanted to go international. They, they had not established enough market share. They were a new fledgling company. They had not established a new, enough market share to even think about going international. So I got Andre, who then contacts Paul, has Paul fly to the United States, does not tell Paul why. He doesn't tell him it's network marketing. Paul gets to the United States, and because of, Paul, because of their relationship, Paul, you know, Andre said, Paul, you've got to fly to Orlando once he's in the United States to hear about this business. He still doesn't tell him it's network marketing. So Paul gets to Orlando and learns this network marketing. He becomes furious at Andre. So I think to myself, oh, my God, i got a guy that I didn't even want to get involved in the business. He doesn't speak very good English. He calls his buddy Paul, who speaks no English, and before I know it, uh, i got a guy now over in Orlando at this meeting in this new company I just got involved with, and he's angry. I thought, this is a terrible start. This is not good, you know. So inevitably, Andre and I, we fly to Orlando, um, you know, through the course of the meeting, Paul starts leaning forward a little bit. He starts becoming a little more open. And then by the end of that meeting, Paul was excited. You know, and, and the, uh, the, it was the effect of an event. That's why we put so much value on the events. The events are really what stimulate and cause a higher level of interest. Right. So, so all that being said, Paul comes back, uh, you know, to uh, Los Angeles, and he decides that he wants to go back to Holland. He wants the company, he wants to uh, petition the company to going into Holland. The company says we're not ready to go. So I got okay. This is a great. This is a big waste of time. Paul flies, spends all of his money, flies here, goes to this meeting, and now what does it all mean? It all just means it was just an exercise in futility, right? If he goes back. So I didn't know this, but Paul had taken it upon himself to go ahead and start galvanizing a group of people in Holland to come to the next big meeting the company had, which was in October. And he, Paul, because of his, just, he just was adamant, he just believed for whatever reason at that time, he, you know, he had the product he tried and he saw what was going on here in the United States. He gets a group of people to come from Holland to the United States in that time, and, he, and, and they come to the next meeting and Paul brings this group of 10 strong business people, and those 10 people all start off at the very top level in that company, okay? And they ended up, you know, going back to Holland, creating a business where they had over 7,000 people. And, and that guy that I never would have believed in all the world would have gotten involved in business represented nothing less than five figures a month to me from that day forward. And never, I never, it, it, and I had to catch up and learn as I was earning. You have to recognize that's a real thing that happened. Now, I share that story with you to help you realize 
I prejudged on the negatives. I thought they couldn't do it or shouldn't do it because of this, that, or the other. What I learned is that anything is possible. If you're willing to go out and really open up the, uh, the, and expand your own mindset as to the possibilities. Are there people that you know right now that are equivalent to a uh, Andre in, in, in your own way or a Paul or possibly? Because it wasn't even someone who I knew. It was someone who he knew. And so I really got the picture. You can't pre-qualify, pre-judge. You have to expose as many people to it in as a positive way as possible. And then the last step is to network on purpose. Find things that are important to you, whether they be hobbies or charities or, or clubs. Just get yourself out there so that you're in organized areas where people are meeting and talking with one another, and that will start changing things drastically. I think that when you start opening up your mind, you start looking at the context of the business, this business is, is really a business that's designed for all of us to start taking it upon ourselves to start learning new things. Take the information that we've gathered and start teaching people new things. It's, it's a massive business. It really is. And you'd be shocked and amazed at how quickly a company just like WBRX can go from 3 to 4 million to 10 to 15 million to 30 or 40 million uh, to 60 to 80 million to uh, you know, 80 to 200 million. You'd be shocked and amazed once you start getting a group of people that actually understand the context of the business, start executing some of these skills, and then they start getting results and start teaching other people to do the same thing. That is truthfully the nature of our business. It is a form of intellectual distribution. It fits massively. We're having so much growth in the industry. Why? Because of COVID, because of the fact that these companies that did get established, they set their foundation, they learned how to build businesses virtually as well as personally, and now we're opening up to a brand new time when once again, just like we did on June the 1st, we can start establishing a set venue of meetings. So we're going to continue to do that. We'll be announcing it. Uh, we're going to meet with our marketing team today. We'll be announcing our next meeting, probably at the same venue, same place, unless we do it at a different location, which we're open to. But we're going to set up another meeting probably for the 29th of this particular month. And we want to work with those new people that have just gotten involved get into their sphere of influence, their contact base, and literally start building a massive business. So with that, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate your time. I'm going to turn the call over to my partner, Sean Baker. Sean, I love, I love all the things that we've got going on, brother. And I want to sit back and listen to what you have to say, take some good notes. Appreciate all the things that you do. Hey, brother, great job. And appreciate you guys hopping on the call this morning. We're going to go through a couple of things just real quick to kind of expound on what Barry was talking about. Because he's listening to his journey and thinking about Paul, and I'd heard that story before, and I had my own mini version of that. Where, where, but it was for me, it was a little bit of the opposite. You know, Barry had a lot going on at the time in his life. He was training celebs and stars and and athletes, and folks were coming in and out. And he had paparazzi in his building in the morning, and paparazzi there at lunch, and paparazzi there in the evening. And he had just been around, you know, the world a little bit of of. Glitz and glamour and fame, call it whatever you want. Well, I, on the other hand, you know, growing up in a trailer park, and I'm saying that Barry came from money because he didn't. Barry, you know, everything Barry did was self-made. But I'm just saying where I was when I got involved, I was not too far removed from the trailer park. I mean, I moved out of my house when I was 16. I joined the Army at 17. I got married at, at 18, and then I was in corporate America by 21. And then I meet Barry, you know, four or five years later, having been with Enterprise for you know, just that short period of time. So I was still, you know, less than a decade from living with my mom in, in a trailer park. And so 
I was very naive. I was very optimistic. I mean, I didn't have the baggage relative to the industry. You know, I heard people that say, oh, my aunts, uncles, brothers, cousin, you know, got involved in Amway and, you know, and didn't make their, didn't make any money or has a bunch of toilet paper that they can't use or whatever the, the crazy stories were. I didn't, I didn't really have one. I didn't really have any of the, of the stories, good or bad. I didn't know anybody that had made millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And I didn't know anybody that, you know, had lost their shirt. I mean, my parents had done Amway in the late 70s or, or mid-70s, late 70s as I was, you know, before I was born or as I was being born. But they never really talked about it. I mean, we had some Amway products around the house, but there wasn't really any conversation, good or bad. And I say all that to say that I was just neutral. I knew that my son had broken his arm. I needed to make $10,000. I was a guy that was always pretty gritty and scrappy and good at, you know, a soldier, good at following orders. So if you would just tell me what to do, you know, then I would do it. You know, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm actually a pretty decent cook. I enjoy cooking, but I think that parallels, you know, everything else we're talking about. You cook normally by kind of a step-by-step -step recipe. So I was just, I guess, young enough and, and dumb enough, for lack of a better word, I don't mean to self-deprecate, but when Barry said make a list, you know, for all the things I didn't do right, I didn't, you know, I didn't try the product when I was initially sampled by John. Barry had to sample me, you know, kind of in, in an unconventional way. And that's a funny story we can talk about another time. But, but at the end of the day, you know, I didn't do everything right as a prospect. And I didn't even do everything right as a distributor. But I wasn't outthinking the smarter people in the room. I wasn't, I wasn't, and it wasn't that I was dumb. I just didn't have an experience in the business. I hadn't gone out and earned a dollar or $10,000 or much less hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. So I was a guy that Barry said, look, all the people I know that are successful have a list of 50 more, you know, 50 people. Well, then I made, I made a list of 55. Or if he said it was 100 people, I made a list of 110. I always wanted to do more because I was just naive enough to believe that it would actually work. So I did my memory jogger. I made my list. I even had kind of a, as silly as it sounds, because it's only a few steps, but I kind of had a little checklist that I would, you know, it was, a, it was a yellow legal pad, and I would, on the left side, I would write name, and then across the top, like an Excel spreadsheet with headings, but this was way less sophisticated, I took my yellow legal pad, okay, and I wrote, at the top, I wrote the word, um, I wrote the word testimony. Because that was my first goal was to share my testimony with someone. And, and by testimony, you know, a lot of times it has a kind of a religious connotation. I, I don't mean that. It's just your story. So my story was pretty simple. It's kind of not too dissimilar than what I told you guys this morning. I grew up in a trailer park. I'm making 150 grand a year. I'm spending 150 grand a year. I've never been involved in the network marketing industry. I've never made money. But I've partnered with a group of people. You know, Barry was, was my lead. He was always the person that I was kind of building for. And I would say, I've partnered with a gentleman. While I have not earned millions yet, yet, I've partnered with a gentleman who has not only earned millions himself, but helped over 500 people earn six-figure annual income and over 50 people earn seven-figure incomes in this space. And I'm, I have the ability to work with him personally. And I want to build an XYZ company. I can't do it alone. And I would like for you to evaluate a position. And I would say things that sounded very corporate America back then because I was very corporate America back then. But I would say, look, I'm evaluating people to assist me on my board. 
right, as an example. I'm evaluating people who could assist in the develop, you know, in the international development of my marketing and distribution company. You know, I didn't talk about, well, I got involved with this thing, and I hope I make a bunch of money with this thing. You know, I treated it like a business. Now, I say that, and I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, because I treated it like a business to the degree I understood it was a business. So here's an example. I didn't realize how much ice cream shops or coffee shops or sandwich shops, I didn't realize their business model or understand their business model. And so I remember one time having a conversation, and this, and this is a, a good and a bad story, you know, it's a little bit of confessional. I had done several hundred thousand dollars in revenue, not earned, okay, this is different. We're having two different conversations here. I had only earned, I say only, it's still very good money, but I had only earned about thirty or forty thousand dollars when I engaged with a guy who was a small business owner. So look, I don't care how much you've earned, that's that's your business. I'm curious though, how much money, how much revenue did you generate in your first year? Well, the truth was in my first year, because you know, we, we not only sell through retail, we also sell distributorships, and so I would bring in a director, I would bring in a manager, I would bring in a a PPC, I'd bring in an executive. Sometimes in given months, I'd bring in a manager, a director, and a PPC, right, all in one month. And all of that counts as revenue, right, within my business model. If I went to the bank to try to get a loan, and they said, well, show me your revenue for the last two years, all of that would count. Everybody I sponsored, every bottle I sold, everything I bought from the company, that would be revenue on a P&L, right? Well, I'm sitting with this guy, he owned, and I'll tell you, I don't mind telling you, which it's ultimately, by the way, I sadly to say, uh, it did go out of business, but he owned the Stole Co uh, uh, Cold Stone Creamery in the Market Street here in the Woodlands. And we were, he just said, what kind of revenue have you produced in your first year? Now, the sad part was, guys, and I'm just being honest with you, it's back to Barry talking about treating it like a business, okay? I had a list, and I had my testimony, folks, and I had who I had sampled, and I had who... I had moved to a three-way call. I got distracted a moment ago talking about the headings on my list. It said testimony, then it said sample, then it said three-way call, then it said Thursday biz op, then it said Saturday comp plan, right? And it had like a funnel. It, was, it went left to right, but it was still essentially a funnel where I would check the box. Okay, Barry Koshu, testimony, check, sample, check, three-way call, empty. Okay, I got to get Barry on a three-way call, right? And that's what I would do. Every day, just, just repeat like a robot. Sample, testimony, three-way call, testimony, sample, three-way call, just boom, 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 boom. Well, so this guy's asking me, using that six-step program, how much revenue have you generated? So I, to be honest with you, man, I don't, I don't know. I have to go back and calculate. So I did because I was curious. I went back and calculated, and I had already done, you know, deep six-figure, I say deep, you know, well over $100,000 in revenue. I hadn't earned yet $100,000. But I probably had generated at that point close to, you know, $250,000, $350,000 of revenue of sales of, of, of nutritional supplements through my now, okay, not this network marketing thing, but my actual marketing and distribution company. And when he told me that in his second year at Cold Stone Creamery, he only generated about $110,000 of gross revenue and how far into the red he was because of, you know, overhead, his building, the supplies, the equipment, the staff. He was operating at the end of year two well into the red. And I didn't, I didn't even know what some of these, these, these things meant, guys. If I'm just being honest, I was 26, 27 years old. 
I didn't know what it meant to be in the red. I thought every business that still had their lights on must be making money and that the owner was probably rich. I didn't realize that a lot of times folks move money out of their 401k or sometimes liquidate their life savings to do what? To start a cold stone creamery, to start an ice cream shop or a coffee shop. And I'm not knocking that, guys. I'm just saying I looked back at the end of my five-year journey, at the five-year point of my journey, right? And hindsight's always 2020. But I look back at the five-year mark, having at that point had done, you know, in excess of $10 million in sales. Again, not money that I earned, but $10 million in sales. And that same cold stove creamery was out of business, no surprise. Other friends that had started Subway franchises or Jimmy John's, I think I had a buddy started Jimmy John's or something like that, and out of business or, you know, struggling or, or you know, complaining about their staff or complaining about their overhead. Yeah, this was back in the, the mid-2000s. This was, or mid, you know, 2000s. This was well before things like COVID and, you know, $15 minimum wage and, and you know, and again, not trying to get political, but I mean, it was just a different time. People were, were very willing to work back then and companies still struggled and still went out of business. And so, you know, it just it opened my eyes to not only how naive that I had been to realize what a big business, you know, that I was building, but it also opened my eyes to the fact what a low overhead business this is. You know, if I had ever, and I did ultimately when my, my wife at the time and I had marital trouble, you know, and I walked away from my distributorship because now all of a sudden she wanted to be, you know, very, very involved, which was just fine. It was half her business too. But when I walked away from it, guys, I didn't have, you know, a million dollar lease or 10,000 square foot tied up or a bunch of staff that I had to worry about laying off. I didn't have any of that. I ran a very inexpensive, very lean, but very large, lucrative, cash flow positive, profitable business. And people, you know, did, just didn't understand. And as a matter of fact, just to, just to take it one step further, some of the people, now all of the millionaires, multimillionaires, and the one billionaire that I ever talked to, all said nothing but encouraging, supportive, constructive things about the industry, about me getting involved, about my aspirations for success. Many of the millionaires that I knew got involved and became distributors. Not all of them, but some of them. David Kilson's a great example. John Lansbaum's a great example. Multimillionaires that got involved in my business as my downline at the time because they saw a phenomenal opportunity. But the people that kind of wanted to cry and moan and little poo-poo my idea were the ones basically in the same position as me. One's making a hundred grand or 150 grand a year. And they were scared really of anything rocking the boat or them having to look at their own situation. Cause if I was having to look at mine and theirs was just like mine and I thought mine was broken. Well, what would that say? That would say, I probably think their situation's broken too. Right. Which I did. I knew guys and gals that were you know, it was costing their marriage. They had horrible relationships with their children. They had, you know, fancy cars and a nice house, but no savings and no backup plan for a medical emergency. You know, they were basically in my situation. But ironically, those were the, one, the ones most reluctant to change. The ones that were debt-free and were liquid and had good money, they were the ones, ironically, most interested, which was very, very counterintuitive to me. But that was just my journey, you know. And so, I would just tell you, you know, very spot on. You have to have a list, period. You've got to go through your memory jogger. And if you don't know what that is, reach out to Barry or I, either one, and we'll walk you through it gladly. But you've got to have your list. You've got to use your memory jogger. And then you've got to have your activities, which can consist of sharing your personal story of the products and the opportunity, sampling them, 
correctly, moving them to a three-way call with anybody. And this is not offensive. I'm not talking to anyone on the call. As a matter of fact, I'm talking to myself. But if I sample someone today, I have to get them on a three-way call because that third-party verification it, it is, is the one of the most impactful things. So it's not that I'm not articulate or that I don't know more about the product maybe than the person that I'm going to use to do a three-way call. But the point of the three-way call is they're hearing from somebody who's not me, anybody but me. And that's the point. Your folks have to hear from you initially, and then, frankly, they've got to hear from anybody except you. And most times what we do is it's all the Sean Baker show. I've got a prospect, and I talk to my prospect, and I talk to my prospect again, and I guess who talks to them again? Me, me, me. I, I, I. I'm just talking to my prospect. I'm just giving them all the information. I'm just letting them know everything they need to know. And that's the worst thing I could possibly do. My job is to get, share my story, get them sampled, and get them on a call with someone that's not me for that third-party verification and move them through the calendar of events. And I did that. I'm just being candid. I don't mean to pat myself on the back. But if anyone wants to know what I really did to ultimately be successful, guys, that was it. I was just a, I was just a diligent, diligent, you know, uh, go-getter as it related to the activities, the three-way calls, and the calendar of events. In hindsight, being 2020, you know, I should have done more of all of the things I was already doing pretty well. I didn't do them perfectly, nor will you, but I did them pretty good. And I, my goal was always to do them, you know, as well or better than the next guy and to the best of my ability. And then what would happen is, you know, I call them God winks, and I'll conclude with this before I kick it back over to Barry. But, you know, I'll tell you, you know, I, I would I'd give these little God winks. When I got involved, I didn't know a single doctor. I didn't personally go to the doctor. The only doctor we have is my kid's pediatrician. Um, and we didn't really at the time have anything that would be relative or appropriate to pitch a pediatrician on. So that, that was it. I kind of shut it down there. But then I was at church. I was at a men's group. And I was, we were going around, you know, my name's Sean Baker. This is what I do. You know, and just like you do in a church men's group. And there happened to be a guy about three seats over named Dr. Tag Philly. Well, Tag and I got to know each other through the men's group at church. We became decent friends, and then we became really good friends. And then I introduced him to the business, and he got involved. And, you know, he and I traveled to the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas together with our families. We traveled to the Ritz-Carlton with our families. He was a recipient of the BMW. And, guys, just to be completely honest with you, that is the one doctor, as Barry mentioned, it wasn't who I knew, but it was who someone else knew. That was the one and only doctor that I ever sponsored personally in my entire career. Now, did I use his contact base and his network to leverage relationships with doctors that he knew? Absolutely. I had hundreds of doctors in my organization, but I only personally sponsored one who I met at a church group. Well, I call that a Godwin. And so, I just all of that to say, as we can, can kind of conclude here, you, you really do have to expand your vision and start to realize what a big business this can be. You know, and, and maybe, maybe Barry and I should do a better job of asking you, you know, what did your business generate? You know, how much revenue did you generate in your business last month? What was your profit margin? What was your batting average? I don't know exactly what the things we could follow up with you are, but maybe there's other direction that we could give because those were the things that happened to me kind of organically that really changed the face of my business. It was when I realized, wow, my buddy that I've known for XYZ of you know, 10 years is, is $200,000 in debt on this cold stone creamery and, and not making any positive cash flow. And here I am with virtually no overhead making money, you know, at the time what felt like hand over fist. And had it not been for him, I probably never would have been able to 
quantify what what my business really was doing at that time, and then it opened my eyes to what the future was going to, you know, the, the inevitable future that came there following, you know, was going to be. And so what a great journey it was and, and, and still is today. I, I would tell you that the industry with technology and with the uh, pandemic lifting, I would tell you, and, and I'm not even talking about wellness positive sciences, I'm not talking about CBD, I'm, I'm talking about the explosive uh, explosiveness that I think people are going to see in both the network marketing, direct sales, industry and in the wellness revolution in, in the remainder of 2021. And then guys, I believe that's going to be the momentum to push into 2022. And you're going to see a major uptick in statistics on both industries independently. And then of course, together, the wellness revolution and the direct sales industry are both going to explode in my opinion in 2021 as momentum builder into 2022. And you guys just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And I consider that a God wink. So with that, you know, Barry, I kick it back over to you. Looking forward to a great week. Great job on the call today. All the meetings last week. You were you were five star, man. So looking forward to a great week this week, and I'll kick it back to you. Appreciate it, Sean. And always, man, you got great information. I think, guys, you know, you hear a lot from us, and some of it, yes, is based on our our previous experience, but a lot of it has to do with just the steadfast principles that have you know certainly proven over time to work consistently, regardless of the advent of technology, uh, regardless of the advent of, of more efficient shipping and capacity to access more people through social media, these principles still really do apply. I just want to encourage you to start incorporating them uh, as you're building and developing your business. I think you'll start to see uh, the results will speak for themselves. So with that, guys, have a phenomenal day. Uh, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, we do have a business planning meeting for those that have seen the business uh, you're welcome to attend uh, Tuesday. Was, we do have, you know, we, we do have RSVP required because we are having a lunch. But for people that are new prospects uh, and, they're, and, and, and whoever it is that, um, you know, has invited them that's in the business, welcome to attend the meeting uh, on uh, Tuesday. And then, of course, you know that tomorrow at 5 o'clock we have our testimonial call. want to encourage you guys to take a leadership role be a part of that, invite as many people as you possibly can that are brand new to hear the, just the amazing testimonies of people that have been in the business, had great results of the product, great results of the business opportunity. Encourage you to engage in that and start becoming a leader in that process. And I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised at the results that occur. So with that, guys, have a phenomenal day, and we will talk to you very soon. God bless. Bye-bye.